This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. South Africa and India are leading a movement to suspend the World Trade Organization's agreement on intellectual property rights for COVID-19 vaccines. But many high-income countries, including the United States and those in the European Union, have rejected the idea. They say waiving the patents would put off private investors and slow down scientific innovation. And existing regulations allow drug manufacturers to make their own deals with generic manufacturers. While some developing nations like Ghana, Ivory Coast and Lesotho have begun receiving their first doses through the UN-backed vaccine sharing scheme known as COVAX, many others in Africa are being left behind. As countries around the globe work to get their citizens vaccinated against COVID-19, a battle over intellectual property rules has emerged. Last year, Canada passed legislation designed to ensure that patents would not pose a barrier to securing supplies of a vaccine or treatment. A year later, developing countries from around the world have looked to the World Trade Organization to develop similar standards through a waiver process that would speed up access to and production of vaccines. Yet the proposal has run into opposition at the WTO including from Canada. Thiru Balasubramian is the Geneva representative of Knowledge Ecology International, where he's worked on intellectual property, health, and trade issues at the WTO, the World Intellectual Property Organization, and the World Health Organization. He joins me on the podcast to discuss recent developments at the WTO, the position of both developing countries and developed countries such as Canada, and what all of this means for global access to critical vaccines. Last year, as the world responded to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we saw countries all around the world really scrambling to ensure that they could address the pandemic in a number of ways. And one of the things that countries started thinking about was the role that intellectual property might play. A number of countries started thinking about ensuring that IP rules wouldn't hinder the production and distribution of potential vaccines. That's certainly the case in my own country here in Canada, where we passed legislation designed to speed up access to essential medicines, devices, or treatments. And I should note that the government explained the reforms by saying, and I quote, that these provisions will help ensure that the existence of a patent covering an existing or new vaccine or treatment is not a barrier to securing needed supplies when those supplies can't be secured from the patentee. I actually talked about the provision on an earlier podcast with Matthew Herder. If we fast forward about a year, it's remarkable we have those vaccines. It's it's truly incredible what we've seen take place from a scientific perspective, but we know that they are not evenly distributed. The World Trade Organization recently considered a proposal to address that uneven distribution issue. Can you start us off a little bit with some background on the proposal? What was proposed? Who's expressing some of these concerns? And in a sense, how long has some of these issues been brewing at the WTO? Sure. Specifically in relation to the TRIPS waiver proposal, uh, it was first on October the 2nd uh, in 2020 that India and South Africa first uh, uh, submitted a proposal uh, to the WTO for uh, a TRIPS waiver. Initially, it was uh, these two countries. And now I would say in terms of official co-sponsors, 
there are at least uh, 57 uh, members uh, that are co-sponsoring this. And this includes the African group, all, all members of the African group, and then also the least developing country group, the LDC group. Uh, and uh, many of those uh, countries, by the way, are members of the African group. So you can't really, you can't double count it, but you know, if you add them plus countries like uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, Mongolia, Pakistan, you get uh, that number of 57. The uh, proposal submitted by India and South Africa, what this would seek to do is to waive obligations under four buckets of, of rights. So the first uh, would deal with uh, patents. Uh, another bucket would, let's say, deal with copyright. Another on industrial designs. And another on undisclosed information. Before we get into some specific, can you talk a little bit about what is the TRIPS agreement and, and what is the waiver process that's been built into that? Sure. The TRIPS agreement is one of many agreements that was established with uh, the D World Trade Organization. And uh, the TRIPS agreement came into force on January 1st, 1995. Um, and it created a set of minimum obligations for the protection of such intellectual property rights as patents, copyright, industrial designs, trademarks, and also geographical indications, for example. And so under TRIPS, uh, uh, patents receive a minimum term of protection of 20 years. Before, um, you know, the establishment of the TRIPS agreement, there were many countries in the world that did not provide protection for pharmaceuticals. So uh, you had countries like India, but also in the last century, actually in the stages of their own development, uh, you know, many scholars have pointed to the path of Germany, Switzerland, uh, Spain, uh, you know, many countries did not provide pharmaceutical patent protection. So after 1995, and certainly in the world that we live in of 2021, these WTO obligations extend pretty much to the whole world because almost every country uh, certainly is a member of the WTO. If you can highlight how the how the Doha Declaration fits in, that would be excellent. Sure. So basically, you know, in 1999 and 2000. Um, the world was experiencing an HIV uh, pandemic. And at the time, uh, there was a lot of tension between uh, world trade rules or, or trade rules uh, and obligations and um, basically the HIV pandemic. And, you know, this came to head in many fora, including uh, in South Africa when... 39 pharmaceutical companies sued the government of South Africa, including Nelson Mandela. He was named in the suit uh, in 2000 because at the time South Africa was revising their medicines bill uh, and they were including uh, provisions, including on um, parallel importation. And uh, the companies uh, took the South African government uh, to court in, uh, uh, alleging that this violated South Africa's constitution. 
And there were other flashpoints. Uh, there were a lot of, um, there was trade pressure uh, by the United States and the uh, European Union uh, against South Africa and other countries for wanting to safeguard their populations. Uh, at around that time, the United States initiated a WTO dispute against um, Brazil uh, for having local production requirements. That was subsequently withdrawn. But what happened was basically in um, April 2001, the African group at the WTO initiated a conversation. They said, you know, people are dying and we need to see how we were being told that um, we can't use these flexibilities. And so we need basically, we need clarity in terms of, you know, how, how these rules respond. Uh, November 2001, the WTO adopted the Doha Declaration. And the declaration affirmed that the TRIPS agreement, and this is from paragraph four that I'm going to read out. Uh, so it's a quote. The TRIPS agreement does not and should not prevent members from taking measures to protect public health. This landmark declaration uh, marked a watershed in global trade governance because it singled out public health and in particular health technologies from other trade-related issues. And the declaration uh, reiterated that health technologies are not just another commodity and may be differentiated from other inventions. Um, so, you know, this was a landmark at the time. And, um, you know, what was important was that it also reinforced the existing flexibilities embedded in the agreement. For example, it specifically stated that each member of the WTO could determine the, um, the grounds for issuing a compulsory license, which uh, you know, is quite important. Um, so fast forward to 2020, um, and I think probably, yeah, you know, the proponents had seen potential issues in accessing uh, vaccines, therapeutics, and PPEs even. So, um, I, there was uh, an example uh, raised at the TRIPS Council about, um, you know, disputes on, for example, 3D printing, for example. So um, this proposal is quite holistic. And that's why, um, you know, it's important to underscore that it's not just about waiving obligations for patents. Uh, it also addresses copyright, uh, industrial designs, and undisclosed information. Through is there a precedent or specific process that envisions the creation of a waiver? You know, I would say one uh, very important thing about just a broader discussion of TRIPS is that under the TRIPS architecture, there is this article, Article 31 bis, which is designed to facilitate the compulsory license of products for export. And uh, basically it was identified, you know, as a issue uh, in the Doha uh, declaration where countries with no or insufficient um, manufacturing capacity, the, the wording of the TRIPS agreement at the time, because article 31F uh, has language about a compulsory licensing being predominantly for the supply of the domestic market. 
So a lot of um, countries, you know, with insufficient or no manufacturing capa capacity were, you know, hard, hard, you know, they were quite affected by this. So the WTO uh, created this, you know, I, one could say an unwieldy and bureaucratic system. Uh, but actually what happened is that 37 countries, including Canada, so basically mainly high, yeah, high income countries opted out of this system. So, you know, at the time, probably they never thought, oh, you know, we'll, you know, because at the time, perhaps it was the WTO members were thinking more about the HIV pandemic and they didn't think that um, they would ever be in the, a place where they needed uh, perhaps a vaccine produced in India, for example. At its simplest form, we've got developing countries led in this case by India and South Africa, recognizing that you know, global distribution of vaccines was going to be an issue, concerned that a range of intellectual property rights, uh, including patents, copyright, and, and the others that you've identified, uh, could create an impediment to certainly the production locally of those vaccines and potentially the distribution as well. And we're looking to use an existing system within the WTO to say there is the ability to waive some of those intellectual property rights given the current pandemic situation. Yes, that 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 is how I, I would understand it. Okay, so that's that's the starting point now from a, an increasingly large number of countries that have identified this as an issue and have supported establishing the waiver. What's the response been from the developed countries, the United States, Europe, um, and the like to that proposal? Generally, it's interesting because prior to this proposal, you would see it was mainly developing countries who would wax lyrical about the flexibilities and safeguards in the TRIPS agreement, such as compulsory licensing and other provisions. Whereas in the context of the waiver, suddenly these very countries, uh, like such as the European Union and the United States, uh, increasingly talked about, well, let's focus on using TRIPS flexibilities. And for example, most recently uh, at the end of last year, the European Commission released an IP strategy where they um, articulated the need for their own member states uh, to, um, you know, if needed, uh, to have this fast track compulsory licensing system for member states of the European Union. Um, there were a lot of questions raised um, by some of these countries, including the European Union, uh, US, uh, and like-minded countries about the need for a waiver. And there were a lot of questions uh, posed at, as to sort of, you know, what would this practically achieve? Um, what I found interesting was in more recent discussions, more focused uh, discussions on challenges in manufacturing capacity. When Canada, um, and this is a matter of public record because what is good in this particular case is that Canada um, published some of their um, TRIPS interventions, the ones they made in January and February, and I believe at the end of the last year on this item, and Canada shared their own experience in trying to scale up manufacturing for COVID-19 vaccines. And in most cases, they were frank and said, uh, actually, uh, it didn't really 
go far. But then they gave one example of entering into an agreement with the American company Novavax to set up a facility in Canada. The Canadian government, as I mentioned off the top, you know, is one of those countries that identified the potential risks associated with IP as an impediment. And so enacted legislation before any vaccine was on the scene to say they wanted to ensure that it would not prove to be an impediment. They're now being cited as one of the countries that has concerns about this particular proposal. You know, has has anyone in a sense called them out or some of the other countries out to say there's, it feels like a bit of a double standard that when you were as a developed country unsure about the risks that IP would pose, you were quite happy to move it to the side. But now that we've got real world vaccines and there is the potential of a real issue in the developing world, you're not so supportive of that same kind of approach. So what was South Africa's response to uh, the Canadian position. Um, reading it from South Africa's uh, TRIPS Council uh, response to Canada, here's what they said. We thank Canada and various other members for various views offered. Once again, we hear members calling for evidence. This is a cl- classic tactic to stall matters. We've answered all questions posed to us. Canada was very quick to give itself new legal tools to ease the issuance of domestic compulsory licensing at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. In March 2020, as part of the COVID Emergency Response Act, Canada amended its patent act to make the process simpler and faster. So South Africa calls out Canada's seeming double standard when it comes to this issue. How has Canada and some of the other countries that are similarly placed in turn responded? In terms of a new proposal, was a communication from Australia, Canada, Chile, Colombia, New Zealand, Norway, and Turkey. And this was, um, and I'll read you slowly the title of it, Enhancing the Role of the WTO in in a Global Effort Toward the Production and Distribution of COVID-19 Vaccines and Other Medical Products. And this proposal was actually uh, submitted not to the TRIPS Council, but to the WTO General Council. And um, what, what's interesting is it's it's a sort of direct appeal to the newly appointed or elected uh, Director General of the WTO, Dr. Ngozi, to basically uh, start uh, having conversations, negotiations with uh, developers and manufacturers of COVID-19 vaccines in close collaboration uh, with the World Health Organization and um, basically to discuss issues about um, the production and scaling up of uh, COVID-19 vaccines. So it's interesting, They uh, perhaps one would call this a third way, but this is a new proposal that, uh, you know, Canada and like-minded countries uh, have also uh, submitted as a way forward. What you're seeing is a sense of urgency in realizing there's a lot more that needs to be done in uh, terms of scaling up production. We've seen the opposition from many of the developed countries and now this third way as, as a possibility. Uh, I guess, how do you see this this moving forward at this stage? I mean, you've got a large number of con- countries that are pushing for the waiver 
process and facing opposition. We've now got some looking for a middle ground. How do you see this playing out over the the coming months? Yeah, that's a very good uh, question, Michael. And so normally um, the way these TRIPS Council uh, meetings are scheduled, there's basically three a year one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall or winter. The next meeting will be in um, June. However, there are informal uh, negotiations scheduled uh, for April. And the WTO operates on consensus. So even if one country objects, uh, that is an issue. And thus far, it's clear to see that there is a few group of countries that uh, object to the waiver. What's interesting, though, is that um, if you go and read some of Canada's most recent statements to the TRIPS Council, in their statement, they say, we've never objected to the TRIPS waiver. So uh, even if, for example, Pharma, in their uh, letter to President Biden, said that Canada was one of the stalwart opponents of the waiver. They, Canada themselves, in their own words, say they, they don't oppose the waiver. Theroux, uh, thanks so much for, for an inside look at uh, what's happening in Geneva and the, the background uh, on, the, on the waiver process and where the various countries around the world align when it comes to that issue uh, juxtaposed to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <music>